Yo guys, welcome back to the Perfect Hattrick Podcast. I'm your host, Taron. Today, we have a Chelsea FC special on the podcast. I've got Tom Overham, a Twitter personality. I'm sure a lot of you guys will know him. And obviously, I've got Arvin on the pod as well, by Munich fan. And yeah, we'll be discussing everything Chelsea, a little bit about the Liverpool game uh, yesterday, and some other topics as well. So I'll start with Tom. How are you doing today, mate? And I know it's been quite hard to get you on the pod, but how are you enjoying uh, being, how are you going to enjoy being on the pod today? I'm going to love being on your pod, mate. I love coming on as much media as I can, honestly. It's something I enjoy doing. I, I, I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm just excited. You know, it's been a very long week work-wise. So I look forward to talking about football, basically. And it's my pleasure to come on. Apologies for, as I say, the date struggle, <laughs> just finding time to fit me in. Um, but I appreciate you getting me on. I really, really do. Yeah, we're, we're really excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, I've been following you for quite a long time on Twitter. So to have you on the pod is, is really good. Nice to chat football with you, obviously. And Arvin, how are you doing today, mate? And how are you looking forward to the podcast? Um, yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, the podcast, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I can imagine you're buzzing after yesterday's result. <laughs> yeah, of course, that. man. <laughs> yeah, Liverpool in the mud. But yeah, excited <laughs> to talk to him, Chelsea. Cool, man. So let's just get straight onto the first topic. Let's, we might as well start from the Liverpool game. It was the last night. A huge, huge win in our season. We're now four points ahead of Liverpool. And we're back in the race for second and third place, in my opinion. So I'm just going to start with the overall thoughts from the guys. Let's start with you, Tom, our guest in the pod today. What are your overall thoughts kind of after the match? And now we've had some time to sink, uh, to, for it to sink in a bit. How have you, uh, what are your kind of overall thoughts from, from yesterday's huge win? I think it was always important that Chelsea were had to win at least one of the United and Liverpool games. And I think the more I think about it, you know, before the game, I went into it thinking, oh, it's must not lose, you know, just make sure we don't lose. We haven't won at Anfield since 2014, I think. Yeah. Um, and to go out and win it was a big achievement. I, I think I, I would, I would qualify that though, by saying obviously Liverpool had lost their last four at home. Yeah. They're clearly a team low on confidence. It's not the Liverpool team of last season. And I don't think we can kid ourselves to think that we've beaten a, you know, a top team at the peak of their power. Um, but I think it's an important psychological boost to this team. I think to beat Liverpool, to beat Atletico Madrid and to beat Tottenham all yeah. away from home and without conceding a goal in any one of those games, given how leaky our defence was, is an absolutely incredible achievement, I think. Um, you know, the new manager and everything. And, and I think you can put that down. You know, I think it, it's a lot more than what some might call the new manager bounce because yeah. it's been it's been a sustained period now where I think 10 games we now had under Tuchel and conceded two goals in that time. And that's that's impressive. It really is. There's no two ways about that. Um, so... Yeah, I, I'm buzzing and I, and I think it's really positive signs. You know, I'm not expecting in the league any more than top four. I, I would mm -hmm. like us to finish off the job against Atletico. I would like us to win the FA Cup if we can. Obviously, the reason I say that is my goals at the start of the season were top four comfortably. I, I accept that, that that's not going to happen now. And yeah. a cup competition of some kind and um, you know, getting passed around a 16 of the Champions League. And I think we're well placed to do at least you know two of the three. 
Um, and if we achieve two of the three, given that, you know, it's been a tough season for us, I think that'd be really exceptional. So, yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts regarding the club at the moment. And if you want to delve into anything more specific, I'm sure you will. <laughs> Give me a shout, because I've got a lot of thoughts, a lot I want to say about the club at the moment. So, yeah, I'm very happy, man. Yeah, it, it was a class game. Like I know you have to take into account, obviously, Liverpool's former Anfield lost to Brighton, lost to Burnley, lost to Man City, and also lost to Leicester away. But it was still a huge win for the confidence of our players. I felt that this will take us into the to the running coming up, the last 11 games of the Premier League, the Champions League running, the FA Cup. I feel like it will do wonders for this team because when Kovacic is in confidence, he just glides past players and does so much. When Christensen's in, in confidence, we'll get on to him a bit later, He's absolutely, oh. I think he's class. Yeah, he's a great player. But yeah, I, I kind of thought it was a tactical masterclass from Tuchel yet again. The way we just uh, nullified all of Liverpool's strengths and kind of exposed their weaknesses, it was great. But yeah, Arvin, what were your overall thoughts as a neutral fan watching the game? <laughs> um, I, I was sat on my uh, sofa for um, coming up to lineups and I looked at lineups and I thought, uh, realistically, I, I'm, I'm going to speak the truth. I thought, what is Tuchel doing here? Because the lineups look like, you know, he was going to park the bus at Anfield. I'm like, wow. You know, and credit credit to Tuchel, obviously winning with that with that team. You know, he's he hasn't got the players based on that they're just names like the Kai Havertz. He's not starting them. He's starting the players that are working well in training, working yeah. well together. See, I feel like he's stuck with the same players that have, let's say, had the chemistry over the past over the past ten games that he's had. So he's stuck with the Werner. Um, Mount obviously he's kept the same back line and then you're obviously thinking to yourself you know when Thiago Silva comes back where is he going to fit in because you have Christensen, Rudiger, Aspi all playing well which you've got Mendy, Mendy behind them Reese James was a bit of a weird call I, I wasn't really expecting that but judging off of the way that uh, the way the game went I feel like he was a perfect perfect player to come in and obviously I expected Kovacic to start a lot, uh, yesterday as well and obviously Kante, Jorginho, again, nullify Liverpool's strengths. So I feel like it all worked out. And I feel like you've got to give huge credit to Tuchel here because judging off the lineup, obviously that is not their strongest lineup, but off of the plays on form, you, you, you have to give huge credit to Tuchel. That, that was a masterclass of a display. And I thought, especially with Liverpool's four losses at home before yesterday, I thought they might come out the traps a bit more, you know, play play really aggressive. But, you know, they didn't do that. And you've got to give credit to Chelsea as well because they nullified. And people say, oh, yeah, it's not the same Liverpool team come, coming in. But you've yeah. got to think of it. It's a psychological factor. Of you come to Anfield, you expect to be you expect to be dominated. But Chelsea, you know, they looked like the home team in that game, if I'm being honest. You know, they looked comfortable. I don't think there was any period of the game where Liverpool actually had a dominant 10 minutes where there was so much pressure applied. And I think you've got to give huge credits to Chelsea and for Tuchel for that. Mm, yeah, for sure. Like, a lot of people could say that the lineup wasn't great before the game. And I don't really like to talk about this a lot on this podcast, but we have kind of been labelled as like Charity FC in the past. Like we gave a win to Arsenal at, at the Emirates Stadium, we drew a Southampton and we kind of lose these games where teams kind of need a route back onto good form. But yeah, we really played well. We turned up yesterday and going on to the lineup, I felt like Reese James was kind of in there to combat Andy Robertson. Uh, we've seen a lot of teams such as Brighton playing Joel, Vem uh, Joel not Ventman, uh, Joel Veltman right back. Yeah, Veltman, yeah, to try and to try and combat Robertson. So Reece James did quite well. I understand that selection from Tuchel. I felt Ziek was in there to kind of play them defence splitting passes to Werner in behind the high line of Kabak and Fabinho. 
And yeah, all the selections kind of made sense. Jorginho and Kante was probably one of the biggest shocks for me. I thought I'd either be Kante and Kova or Kova and Georgie, but they played amazingly well. Georgie, we'll get onto him later as well. He really controlled the game. And yeah, it was kind of the perfect performance, I'd say. That's kind of my overall thoughts on the game. But yeah, time to move on to our man of the matches from this game. I'm going to start with Tom, same kind of order as before. Tom, I want you to kind of give our listeners your man of the match and a few reasons why you, you kind of think that player was a man of the match. I think it's such a difficult one, that because yeah, I think you legitimately could give it to any of the 11 on the pitch, probably other than Mendy because he had nothing to do. Yeah. And possibly Ziyech because he wasn't at his kind of blistering best. For me, I'm going to have to go for men of the match because I think I think there are two that were absolutely outstanding. The first being Mason Mount. I think his goal was absolutely brilliant. His pressing was just first rate, really, really first rate for me. Um, and the second... Andreas Christensen, I mean, absolutely incredible in defence. And I think the back three, the fact that he's got that ball-playing role, he's had Thiago Silva to learn from, and he's had to work so, so hard to get back into the team. Mm -hmm. I think that's all coming out in his performances at the moment. And I really think that, you know, Thomas Tuchel, who we know tends to prefer a 4-3-3, but obviously is quite tactically flexible, I'm at a point where I think he's going to have to consider continuing with the back three um, mm. in the longer term because I just think, and I, I'm not somebody who people might know, I'm not Antonio Conte's biggest fan. I'm not somebody who tends to love the 3-4-3 or the 3-5-2. I'm much more of a 4-3-3 man as well. Yeah. But I think just the the way, the amount he's getting out of them playing this way, mm-hmm. I, th- I think he's going to have to, exactly for players like Christensen, who's putting, you know, eight out of 10, nine out of 10 performances on at least sort of three occasions in the last four or five games. And it, it really is outstanding. I tell you, really outstanding. It is. It's just, yeah, superb recently. Just... The player performances are just up. I, I was a bit worried about Mason Mount when, when Tuchel came in. Obviously, Lampard really excelled Mount's game. And I thought, can Tuchel really excel it even more? And he has. Mason Mount looks even better than he was under Lampard early in the season. And Andreas Christensen, Great. I feel like he has got that that word from Tuchel. As in, like, I do believe in you, uh, Andreas. I, I wanted you at PSG. I think you can be a really, really class centre-back in the centre of a back three. And that's kind of got Christensen in the right mindset to kind of deliver and, and dominate these huge games, you know. We've seen Atletico, Spurs. He came in in a really high-intensity game at Spurs, you know, away from home at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And he played superb, you know, Liverpool. Man United, I thought he was really good as well. So right now, I don't know how Thiago Silva... It's going to be a really tough selection. And... The amount Thiago Silva did when he came in, it's going to be really hard to not put him back into the side. But on current form, I'm I'm sticking Andreas Christensen in this back three for the foreseeable future. And we'll see from there normally. Question. So, yeah, sure. Question for you, Taryn, because it's one I've been thinking of myself. I'd like to get your opinion on it. Okay, cool. Is there a single player that Thomas Tuchel hasn't improved since he's joined Chelsea? Because you make a great point on Mason Mount, and he's the player I think a lot of people were fearful for. Mm -hmm. And I can't think of one player that's not improved since Tuchel arrived in January. Um, I've been that impressed with the team 
the setup, the tactics, everything with the team. And I'd love yeah. to know your opinion on that as well. Yeah, obviously, I know he's done wonders with some of these players who wouldn't even get into our like 18-man squad, like Rudiger, Alonso, like Aspi, who wasn't even starting under Lampard. So, but for me, it's all about our our new signings in the summer. Ziyech, I feel like he hasn't. I know it's been down to injuries and other factors, but since Tuchel's came in, I haven't seen the Ziyech that we saw against mm. Sheffield United against um any other big Brighton in his first game. But maybe Ziyech. I really think Ziyech's a class player, and I really want him to do well, but. Right now, I don't think he's been superb. Kai Havertz, when he's played um, so far under Tuchel, he hasn't looked as good as I want him to be. Timo Werner looks much better. But yeah, I'd say it's down to the... That was a really good question, Tom. Down to Ziyech and Havertz. But let's just move on to Arvin's man of the match for this game. Arvin, as a neutral fan, I always call you a neutral fan on this Chelsea kind of biased podcast. <laughs> but how would you... Who would you, who'd be your man of the match for, um, for, this, uh, for this game? I mean, for me, uh, we could talk about Christensen, obviously, but for me, it's got to be Mason Mount now. I've, me, personally, I don't really have like an opinion on Mason Mount because I don't watch him that much. And I feel like my opinions can be controversial sometimes, but this game, he proved, he proved for him to step up in a game at Anfield and to his touch, his, his finish, excellent. Obviously, it is just one goal, but, you know, I saw him in the second half as well, getting back the work rate. Everything was on point with Mason Mount today. No, sorry, yesterday. And he was just he was just that player that was working hard. You know, he earned he earned his goal. I feel like especially the games before against Manchester United and against Atletico I had criticized him a bit because his end product wasn't really that good. Yesterday it was on point. You know, the, the work rate is still there. I don't, he's been Chelsea's like he's always been there for Chelsea when when the chips are down. When yeah. When Chelsea aren't exactly playing to their best, he's always the player that you could say, oh, yeah, he's played really well today or something. So for me, it's got to be Mason Mount. His passing yesterday, his work rate, especially one thing that I've got to say is work rate under Tuchel as well. He, Tuchel is getting exactly what he wants from him. He's in that role. He he provides so much in attack and also in defence. I just feel like for me, Mason Mount, perfect. Yesterday, got the winning goal, got what he wanted. Defensive work rate was excellent. Everything about him yesterday was just perfect. Yeah, I know, Arvin, in the past, you are kind of on that bandwagon of the neutral fans who don't really rate Mason Mount. And Tom is going to be absolutely devastated to hear that. But yeah, Arvin, you didn't really understand oh. what Mason Mount really did before. But I'm sure this game, yeah. when kind of players perform in a big game, I feel like the neutral fans take notice of them. Like, for example, Phil Foden against City as well. I'm not against City, sorry, against Liverpool. People kind of take notice. And hopefully, from now on, you realise that Mason Mount is going to be class. But... I'll kind of say my man in the match now. For me, it has to be Christensen. Obviously, Mason Mount dominated the midfield. He was class. But for me, Christensen dominating still a really good front three of Mane, Sal and Firmino, who don't, let's not forget, last season Premier League winners and um, season before Champions League winners. So for Christensen to still step up in that game, despite what happened early in the season with Mane, he got out He got out of his mind and was class. You know, According to whoscored.com, 100% Errol Jules, Errol Jules won. 92% pass accuracy. So I think that Christensen was really good yesterday. He's really composed on the ball and he doesn't seem to be as scared of those individual duels with the bigger, more stronger strikers anymore, such as Mikel Antonio in the past. We've seen it, but I do think that in some instances he is a bit weak and he kind of loses his, um, not marbles, but he gets a bit, um, he gets a bit wound up sometimes in games, but yeah, credit where credit's due. Christensen was class, but now I'm just going to go into another moment in the game. Tom, I'm going to start with you about a really, that could have been a game-changing moment that, for me as a fan watching, I was like, 
how is this offside? How is this offside from these camera oh, angles? Yeah. I am just want to discuss with you. How do you think that this is offside? Do you think it was offside or do you not think it was offside? I think I tweeted out that if I ever become a football coach, I'll instruct my strikers to cut <laughs> both their arms off so they can't get given offside. I, I, I was flabbergasted, but, but I'm honestly at a point where, right, it doesn't even especially surprise me in the sense that when you watch it, you're like, oh, they're, you know, they're going to find an excuse to not give the goal. Yeah. And that's something that, that really kind of wound me up that, you know, I, I was actually surprised that, that the other big VAR shout, the penalty wasn't given. Because knowing what VAR referees are like, I was convinced that was going to get given. And, and, I, and I think it, it really underlines a wider problem with, with, with the VARs in general, that it just, it's just not applied consistently at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I completely agree with you. I, I just don't know that they, they, they never justify why it wasn't a goal. And, and that, that's obviously very disappointing for, for fans as well. No, do you know what? They really need to show more camera angles for fans. Like we are the main a main part of the game. You know, we're a huge part of the revenue in football. We pay money to watch games on TV, watch games live in the stadium. And I feel like they need to put clarifications to the fans about different camera angles and how it was justified as offside. Because on football Twitter, a lot of pictures come out, but when we're actually watching it on TV, we don't really see these pictures. So. It leaves us in a lot of confusion. And for me, I'm a huge Timo Werner fan. If you watch the other side of the coin a lot, I get a lot of stick for that, for being a huge Werner fan. So I went absolutely crazy um, after Werner scored. And when that was given off site, it like, ruined my whole mood. You know, it's like, it's not Same. fair for us fans who, listen, I celebrated a lot because from my opinion, it looked so far onside. Like if it was maybe offside, um, when I saw it, I would have been a bit calm, but I kind of was 100% certain. And that was just a huge kick in the guts for me. But yeah, Tom, what do you think about VAR in overall in the Premier League? Do you think it's used correctly and how could it be improved? I think I think as, a, as an actual system, as an actual VAR officiate, officiating system, I think it's fine. I just think that the way it is implemented by some of the individuals involved, yeah. it's an absolute joke. Um, it's just it's so inconsistent i mean the inconsistencies really do wind me up and and it it's just the way in which i think lots of officials don't take responsibility for the decisions they make and aren't there to be scrutinized for them Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean look i completely agree with you and everything you said about about the system in general, I just think the individuals involved are, are really, really poor and fall sort of very far short of what we expect as fans. I think as Charlie Austin said a few years ago, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. this is meant to be the best league in the world, but we've got some of the worst officials. And yeah. I wish I wish I could say that's dramatic or that's unfair or whatever, but I really, really can't based off of based off of what I see. Mm-hmm. I, 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 the best league and the worst officials, and that's yeah, mm. completely true from what from where I'm sat anyway. Yeah, everything you've said, I completely agree with. The fact that I'm not going to name any refereeing individuals because I'm not the type of guys to kind of call out anyone on my podcast. But I do think that if you're going to put the same officials who were struggling before 
in the same decisions, but just with technology that in some ways maybe makes it even more confusing with the lines. They're not always straight. They're sometimes too thick. So I just think it's a bit misleading right now over everything because VAR in other leagues, as Arvin would know, he know he watches the Bundesliga all the time. Uh, it's, it's used much better and the officials do a much better job in controlling the game with VAR. But in the Premier League, maybe some individuals and to some factors, other things that maybe cause it to be used incorrectly. And it's really frustrating to see, you know, the best league, as you said, Charlie Austin said it. It's a league that we expect so much of. A lot of fans around the world watch this league. It's, I'm pretty sure it's the most, the most watched league in the world. So it's just really frustrating more than anything. But Arvin, let's move on from that really depressing subject. Let's move on to, let's move on to a player. Let's move on to Jorginho, obviously. Yesterday, 100% dribble success, obviously, according to whoscored.com. Five successful tackles. And I thought he was a gladiator, an Italian gladiator in the middle of the midfield. I thought he was absolutely class. Spinning players like Prime, I don't even know, Iniesta midfield. I thought he was superb. And that's probably the most accomplished performance I've seen from Jorginho in many games. He was superb. Maybe even the Spurs game, he did the same as well. But what do you think of Jorginho yesterday? I know you're not the biggest Jorginho fan, but that's why I'm asking you the question, mate. What do you think of Jorginho yesterday? Um, I know your fan base has split decisions on whether Jorginho is good or not. That's one thing that I know. But um, Jorginho, no, uh, I feel like he was very composed yesterday. He didn't, I think he was brought into the game to calm down the play. Obviously, when Liverpool, when Liverpool had or tried to play with, uh, play fast or ever had a point in the game where yeah. there, there was that much intensity applied. I feel like he is that player that you can give the ball to and he'll just slow everything down. I feel like mm -hmm. the tempo that he played, he's a bit he's a bit of a dictator in, in the play. I feel like obviously coming up against Thiago, obviously I have fond memories of Thiago and he completely nullified him. I mean I didn't yeah. even see Thiago play one good pass ever dominate the midfield. I don't really see Curtis Jones, Genie Wijnaldum, Thiago. They were they weren't they were non existent, if I'm being honest. And that is Credit to you, obviously, and Gola Kante, but we'll talk about him later. Jorginho, especially. Jorginho, now, obviously, under Lampard, Jorginho wasn't really used that well. And obviously, he didn't play well. The fan base, they started to grow an opinion on him, saying that he's not good enough. But Tuchel, what he's had, he, what, he did actually want him at PSG, but what he's done is the system, the way the system fits, it fits around Jorginho. Now, obviously, you can talk about Kante. Kante is so much better than uh, Jorginho in, in terms of athleticism. Obviously, Kante yeah. is that player. But Kante and Jorginho complemented each other yesterday. And as in, one one was one's ball playing and one's there to nullify and shut down the Liverpool um, attack. So, for me, Jorginho yesterday didn't... I feel like it does a lot of the basics that get unseen for me. Jorginho, mm -hmm. slowing down the play, as I mentioned again, slowing down the play, bringing the others into the play, just calming down um, when Liverpool would be in, intensifying in their attack. So, yeah, Jorginho for me was brilliant this year. Yeah, I think Jorginho was superb, you know. Every time Liverpool tried yeah. to put that like really, really, really high press that they've, they've been famous for in the last few seasons, Jorginho was there to be an out-ball for our, our full-backs, our centre-backs. He's always there to take the pressure out of the teams. And yesterday, I almost saw a development in Jorginho's game, you know, before we've seen under the previous management team as a lone six that when you pass to him, he does seem to slow down the game too much, as we've seen Thiago at Liverpool recently. But... When he gets the ball, he moves it quickly. You know, he's always looking forward now. He's passing it, that ball in behind to Werner that, you know, we've just talked about. But Jorginho was superb. And I'm really happy for him because, again, I was a critic of Jorginho in the past. 
But now I know it's down to the system. If you put Jorginho in the right system, he's a great player. So just move on. Let's move on from the, the Liverpool. Yeah, let's move on from the Liverpool-Chelsea game a little bit now. And But let's keep on the, on the subject of midfielders. And the Chelsea midfielder debate is talked about a lot on football Twitter and by a lot of Chelsea fans. So I think that Jorginho is great in a pivot. But in a lone DM in a system that's a bit expansive... I feel like you kind of highlight all of his flaws. Um, he doesn't have much physicality. He's not very quick. And for someone to play as a lone DM, I feel like you need someone quite strong, like uh, a Hoybier or someone like that. But yeah, some of our players are suited to different systems. Like, for example, Kovacic is better in a pivot. He has the license to roam forward, license to dribble past players, license to link up. But we saw Kovacic obviously in a lone DM at Leicester. He was really, really poor that game. And as an attacking eight under Lampard... I thought Kovacic was really poor, like in many games, but these are all system players. So, Tom, I just want to ask you right now: Do you think that we have enough midfielders to cover to cover different systems, or do you think we need another DM or central midfielder? Oh no, I, I think I think we're stacked actually in in midfield. I, I'm really really happy with it, and I I agree with you. And 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 I actually I've always been a fan of Jorginho. Um, he's always been a player I've liked. I know there are a lot of people I know that don't like him. For me personally, when I watched Jorginho play in that lone six with two attacking eights under Frank Lampard, yeah. I just found it beyond belief that people were expecting him to change games from that role. It was yeah. like asking him to do the impossible because, frankly, a player like Jorginho, he's going to be a creative DM. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, you, you do need to shield him and you do need to protect him. He's not just going to sort of maraud around the pitch and, and, and yeah. do everything all in one go. So, yeah, for me, I think, I think now we've got a manager who's, in my view, is getting the best out of the world-class midfielders that we do have. Yeah. And again, you might see that as, as, as a slant on, on, on Frank Lampard. He's one of my favourite players. I grew up loving him. I don't mm. intend it to be that way. But for me, I, I think now we've got a system that, that, that personally makes a hell of a lot more sense than the old system. Yeah. Um, I don't think we need anything. I think this team just needs more experience. It needs to play together more, and I think we'll become a really fearsome unit. I really, really do. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, we have so many class midfielders, but we have Kante, who's better in a pivot, Kovacic, who's better in a pivot, Jorginho is better in a pivot. Gilmore could pos- uh, potentially play as a lone DM, but I don't really see that happening. We saw at the Liverpool game where we won 2 0, the Everton game, he played real, uh, really well there. But in my opinion, if Tuchel was ever to change to a 4 3 3 with a DM and two eights, then we need we need a new player. That's just my opinion. We need someone. Obviously, he's not linked with us anymore. But the likes of Declan Rice, Dennis Zakaria, uh, Marquinhos, even someone like that who can cover a lot of space and kind of marshal that that midfield. But if Tuchel was to continue with a four-two-three-one, or a or a four or a three-five-two or three-four-three, then I completely agree with having these players because individually they're all really good players, and we've seen that they can, they can all link up. On their day, Kovacic is great with Jorginho. He can be great with Kante. Georgie proved a lot of people wrong that he's good with Kante yesterday. So, yeah, I think that right now we do it. We we are really stacked in the full area. Even Mason Mount can play in the pivot if he can. But yeah, I'm gonna kind of move on from that a little bit. Arvin, I just wanted to ask you: if Chelsea 
We're in, say, just just to kind of think about it. We're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League in a few weeks, playing against your beloved Bayern Munich. I just want to know, as a really biased, yeah. fan, really biased fan, which midfield, pivot, <laughs> which midfield pivot would you be most afraid of facing in this Chelsea current team against your beloved Bayern? Well, first of all, we both still have a second leg to play, so just just picturing. Um, Obviously, me coming as a Bayern Munich fan, if I'm being uh, on the cocky side, I don't actually see any midfield that can dominate Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. But then on the on the other side, we obviously we had a terrible defence and so forth. But we'll just think about it now. If I was afraid, I wouldn't say afraid, I would say more um, that can go toe-to-toe with Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. I feel like one of them would have to be Kante because... You'd have to sort of nullify yeah. the 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 physicality of uh, Joshua Kimmich and Leon Gretz, especially Leon Gretzka. I mean, we've seen how much muscle he's built up in lockdown and stuff. All right, mate. And um, and also can uh, uh, sorry, and also Kovacic. I think I think Kante and Kovacic. I, I'm not sure how well they work together. I feel like that's that's an opinion that uh, yeah. or that's an argument that can be discussed through Chelsea fans. But I feel like the combination of Kovacic as well pressing through the midfield. I feel like. Um, Kovacic, especially his dribbling ability, he Kimmich when when he's sometimes in the zone, he doesn't really he doesn't he can't really combat against someone like Kovacic that can just fly past him, whatever, and then move yeah. on to our defense. I feel like you have to have that press breaker because Bayern press so high. I feel like yeah, yeah. I am actually talking like Bayern Chelsea is actually happening. But if you were, <laughs> to, if that game were to happen, but like you'd have to have someone like Kovacic because of how high yeah. we press. He'd be the person that can. Uh, almost like a just like a snake, just slide through that, just slide through that midfield without even without even being picked up. So I feel like Kante Kovacic would definitely be the midfield that I would be that yeah. that would go toe to toe. But I, no disrespect to Jorginho, but I just don't think he would be suited to that type of game. Yeah, I just kind of have a query about that. Obviously, we we talked a lot about the Liverpool game, how aggressively they pressed us yesterday. But Jorginho was there as an outball to kind of evade the press and play it to maybe Kante cover. So you don't think Jorginho would have been perfect for a game against Bayern? Well, that's the difference. See, obviously, uh, when you have Liverpool, you have to obviously Genie Wijnaldum, Thiago, Curtis Jones, but it's not exactly a Jordan Henderson. I feel like Jordan Henderson, uh, thinking about midfield like Jordan Henderson, Fabinho and Genie Wijnaldum, I think the game yesterday might have been a bit different. But um, again, there's a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, Liverpool have a free in the midfield. They have absolute workhorses. I feel like Bayern Munich's midfield is a little bit better because we have ball-playing midfielders like Joshua Kimmich mm-hmm. that can yeah. play those defence-fitting passes. And then you have a you have a someone like Leon Gretzka next to him that just does the basics. But we can talk about it for days. I just feel like right now, Jorginho, but he would not play in such a high-intensity game. I don't feel like because Bayern, when I, especially when I watched them in August uh, last year, I just don't feel like they ever stopped pressing. I feel like Liverpool yesterday, they weren't really at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, especially, especially I think um, uh, Jamie Redknapp highlighted that their press mm-hmm. was a bit awful yesterday. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, yeah. Salah, he, you know, every time a player just dribbled past him, he'd just throw his hands up and then make a strop about it. So, yeah, we could talk about it for days, but I feel like Kovacic <laughs> and Kante would definitely be the midfield that if you had a high-intensity team playing against you, mm. that doesn't stop pressing you from minute one to minute 90. That's a midfield that I'd go for. Yeah, for sure. Like, all good points. Uh, I'm sure that 
all three midfielders have their own stake. I know that game's not even happening, but actually talking as if it's tomorrow. But, you know, yeah. if, if that game was to happen, I'm sure that all the midfielders have a good stake in that game. Yeah. But guys, time to move on to the quick fire question round. Tom, we received quite a lot of questions for this round. So I'm just going to pick some random questions and I'm going to give you 30 seconds to answer each one so we can get them all in. So let's try and pick a random one first. I'm going to start with this one, Tom. I'm going to throw you straight into the deep end for this question. You know, we have to start tough on this channel. I want to ask you, can Chelsea be title, title contenders next season? Yes. <laughs> just, yes. Uh, sorry, quick fire, quick fire question, quick fire answer, yes. Okay, Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. <laughs> um, okay, that's it. Very confident there. That's <laughs> it? Okay. Uh, it's called me. the quick fire round and you're being as slow as a milk cart. <laughs> All right, sorry. Okay, let's go to the next Where's one. Where's the quick fire in the yeah, quick okay. fire right, I'll, start, I'll, start from, I'll start from that. I'll start from that. Okay, so we answered that one. Okay, next one. Who's your number one transfer target in the summer? Donnarumma. Calm. Right. That's, that's Throwing shade point. on Mendy. Fair enough. Um, let's move on to the next one. Because we're not going to All right, we're actually going to talk about that. Okay. How far into the Champions League can we go? Quarterfinals. Okay, cool. Wow, this is a very quick round. Against um, Bayern. Yeah, that's it. No, not against Bayern. <laughs> <laughs> Please not Bayern, UEFA. All right. Um, what was more impressive, the Liverpool win or the Atletico win? Ooh, Atletico. Okay, cool. Next question. I actually think we played better in the Liverpool game, though. Seriously? Okay, cool. Well, someone actually said it. Atletico is better. Everyone beats Liverpool. So, fair enough. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> when Thiago Silva comes back from injury, does AC come out of the team despite his good form? No, play them together. Wow. Where? Back three. Take us P out. <gasps> oh. 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 Okay. Controversial. Okay. Craig Cully, if you listen to this. Um, okay, next question from CSC Hayden. Is Mount ready for the captain's armband? Or would it just be unnecessary to put pressure on him too early in his career? Um... He's definitely ready, but whether we give it to him or not with Thiago and stuff and SP at the club, I don't think he needs it yet. He doesn't need that burden. But does he deserve yeah. it? And will he be a good captain? Absolutely, yes. For sure, man. Okay, so last question from MK Johnson. Um, Tom, what is your opinion on Antonio Rudiger? Um, very good player in a back three. Yeah. Very impressed with him in a three. I've Obviously, a lot of stories about him. Very controversial player, mm -hmm. I, I, I suspect. But mm -hmm. can't really question his performances recently, can you? I mean, no. I, yeah. I've been really, really impressed with him. So, yeah, that's that's where I'm at with Rudiger. But I've got to see it over a longer period of time before I'm mm. getting carried away with him. Yeah, obviously, on, on the other side of the coin, I'm known as quite a guy who gets quite carried away. So, yesterday on the stream, I was kind of gassing up Rudiger a bit too much, but... Yeah, let's move on to the last round now. I've gone through that round a lot quicker than I thought. I thought Tom would kind of analyse the questions a little bit more, but, you know, it's fine. <laughs> let's kind of talk about the strike situation at Chelsea. Obviously, you talked about Haaland earlier, Tom, but let's start with a guy who has come from my academy, our top goal scorer last season, and a guy that I really wanted to do well after he ran over to Frank Lampard after his Norwich goal. I absolutely love Tammy Abraham as a Chelsea player, but... He doesn't always look completely committed when he's playing. You know, he doesn't always make them dare and runs. He doesn't always throw his body at the ball. And there is some rumours going around that he might not want to sign that contract with Harlem rumours about. So yeah. would you keep 
Tammy Abraham at Chelsea Football Club next season? Or would you maybe say, do you know what, Tammy, you've done a lot and we respect you. So kind of just, yeah, go out alone or, or go for a permanent transfer. No, no, no. I'm keeping Tammy at the club no matter what. And I think wow. actually when I think about it, I, I, I've always thought that there's a, no chance we get Holland to the extent that I've not even tweeted about it because I just, I personally just don't, I can't see a situation where Haaland chooses us at the moment. Um, I think there's just, obviously the player's got history in England with uh, his father. I think just in general, I think Tammy's using it as a good way, a good negotiating way of getting some more money. Um, and also assurances over playing time with obviously Frank Lampard not at the club anymore. But I think Thomas Tuchel's seen how good he is. He obviously played Tammy pretty much as first-choice striker since he's come in uh, till he got injured a couple of games back. So personally, I'm keeping Tammy no matter what happens next season. Um, Mm. Not only because I don't think we get Haaland, but because I think he's a great player in his own right, I suppose. Yeah, just with my opinion on this, I think that Tammy's a great player. Yeah, as I mentioned, our top goal scorer. But there are some instances where I feel like he goes to the ground too easy. And as Chelsea fans, we're used to the likes of Diego Costa and Didier Drogba. But it is Abraham's third season or second season in the Premier League. So it's definitely second season. I don't know why I said that. Second season in the Premier League. And there is, yeah, I think that we need to give him more time. You know, some players... They're not instant success when they come into the Premier League. They don't like Mo Salah score 30. Obviously, Mo Salah was at Chelsea, didn't do very well. But there's some players that take a bit of time. And the only thing I have about Abraham is that I just feel like the main thing he does is just gets into the good goal-scoring position and scores goals. And I want a striker who can, as as a guy who's quite tall, to be good in the air, to hold up the ball, to be good at passing. That's That's just me as a Chelsea fan. But I think Tammy can develop his game and be like the likes of Harry Kane in the future. But... It's just if if it was between Haaland and Tammy, I'm choosing Haaland. Oh just yeah. The fact oh that yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah so that's just my opinion. I know that's everyone rates Tammy, but yeah, I think that Haaland, as a Chelsea fan, I want trophies. I'm not a Tammy Abraham supporter. I'm a Chelsea supporter. But let's move on to Haaland. I just mentioned him. Arvin, I want to start with you. You've you've watched a lot of him in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich fan. He's been a player for Dortmund for I think a full season now, more than a full season. More than. Do you think season. he has all the attributes and what it takes to be? one of the best players in the world in the future? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think I think he's even one of the best players like right now, obviously, excluding Robert Lewandowski because I have my set of opinions <laughs> as a Bayern fan. But um, we'll talk about Haaland. Um, yeah, Erling Haaland, he's just... He's just... I, I don't think I've ever seen a player like him before. He's not, he, Obviously, people compare him to, like, robots and stuff like that. But, you know, his his power, his, his pace, his... Um, obviously, passing can be worked on hold up play hold up play is excellent finishing second to none so your if Haaland was to sign obviously I've, I've heard comments saying that oh yeah Haaland was a bigger club than Chelsea which might not even be true because it was reported by Bild and obviously I know that uh you you have a very um I would say a very strong opinion about Bild yeah uh, I don't do. you yeah, so yeah, it might, it might not be true, but if Haaland was to come to Chelsea, I think he'll be the complete package, especially especially being the age of 20. I think he's 20 anyway. Yeah, I, yeah, he is 20. Mm-hmm. Especially being the age of 20 and being how good he is, I feel like he'll just come, he'll just come straight in. I mean, physicality won't be a problem in the Premier League for him because, I mean, look at his build. 
Oh, bloody mm. hell. Look at his build. <laughs> absolute monster for that. But yeah, any, yeah. anyway, uh, finishing pace, especially when Dorman need to turn to someone, obviously, at Jaden Sancho. He's not been as good this season, obviously. He is starting to come back to form. But Erling Haaland has been the main player that sort of dug them out of the hole. We saw, we just recently saw against Sevilla. I mean, they, he, they won nil down. Who did they turn to? Erling Haaland against Bayern. He hasn't been that good. You know, he, I don't think he's ever like scored more than... Mm-hmm. Who goals ever against Bayern, but that's different. So what you're getting in him is basically great finishing, fast strength, and I feel like that's that's the main things you Chelsea should look for in a striker. I think he'll be a step up from uh, someone like Diego Costa, oh. but he will be a bully as well. That's that's what I think. I thought you were gonna say Drogba for a minute. You scared me, but let's just let's talk about. <laughs> I want to talk about Haaland a little bit more. Like I think he's a great player, and he's 20 years old. He scored so many goals in the in the Bundesliga in the Austrian league and yeah, he's clearly going to be a great player in the future. But just as me watching him, I feel like he looks a bit clumsy when he's kind of passing the ball and his hold up play a little bit, yeah. but that just might be my, my like eye test. But yeah, I'm not exactly a journalist right now, but yeah, that's my opinions on Harlan. Tom, I want to get to you now, just before we wrap this up, how would you feel if we sign Harlan? I know you don't think it's going to be possible, but if Harlan decides, you know what? I want to play for Thomas Tuchel's Tricky Blues. I want to link up with the best player in the world, Mason Mount. How do you think that Haaland would be next season and if he was leading our line? Well, I, I would always, I, I always give Chelsea strikers a degree of caution. Remember, you know, Andre Shevchenko, yeah, yeah. you've got Kesman, you've got Fernando Torres, <laughs> all came to the club Murata. as really top tier strikers, Morata as well. Mm. And sometimes it doesn't work. And I think, with Haaland, it, it would work in almost any sense, but I think it might be that he might need a season to get used to the Premier yeah. League. And I think a lot of people have sort of, I actually find it really, really disrespectful the way that a lot of people, and I'm glad to hear you you aren't one of these people, who just discard Werner. They're like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, well, will Werner be at the club next season? You know, you you could just get rid of him. And I'm just thinking... Sorry, he's put in like an 8 out of 10 in our last 10 games under Tuchel when he's been playing. Even under Lampard, I think he was one of our better players towards the end. And you get people who seriously tell me that they expect the club to just be like, oh, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just get rid of him for a loss. He's a massive flop. And the people Mm -hmm. that I know that call Werner a flop are the people who haven't watched Chelsea regularly and look Mm -hmm. at his stats or goal numbers. So for me, remember that we've already got a player who is getting used to Premier League quickly in Timo Werner. Mm-hmm. And yes, Haaland would do something that I suspect even Werner wouldn't be able to do. But mm-hmm. you know, don't sleep on Werner because this guy will be back in the goals. And, and of that, I am absolutely convinced. So mm-hmm. give, give Haaland time as you would give Werner time because if Haaland comes and has a season like Werner's having... Are people seriously going to be telling me, oh, yeah, assuming that, mm. you know, we, we, we get rid of Haaland next season, you know? So mm. I, I'm just very, I guess I'm just very cautious about it all. And I'd like to see, I'd like to see Werner play really well before we think of just, you know, bringing in another marquee striker for the sake of it, personally. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, personally, I've I talked about this just a few minutes, not a few minutes, like 10, 10 or so minutes ago. I'm a huge Werner fan, and 
I've been a huge fan of him from the first time he came into the club. I know he does a lot more. I kind of look about, I kind of watch him a lot during the games. I see he's always pressing. He never stops running. That's why we rarely ever see him get substituted a lot. But let's not sleep on Timo Werner, as you said, Tom. That's a great quote. That's getting put on my Twitter later. But yeah, don't sleep on Timo Werner. If Haaland was to come in, it would just be the fact of Roman wanting the best players at our club, being a, a Champions League chasing football club, that Haaland, we can't really miss the chance of having a player like Haaland at a club. For me... To spend 150 million on Haaland when we have Werner and Abraham at the club, I personally wouldn't do it. We already signed Kai Havertz, who also has a really good centre forward on his day, false nine. So, with the Haaland situation, I'm not sure if we sign him, but if we were to sign him, that's what I said about Havertz, I'll take him, you know, I'll take him. But yeah, let's kind of wrap this pod up, guys. Let's start with Tom. How have you enjoyed the podcast today, Tom? And is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners, like plug your Twitter, anything like that? I've absolutely loved being on. It's been a real privilege to be on. I've been I've been on a lot of pods in the past, but this has been one of my favourites, just to chat about the game with two people who I can tell have really good takes and really measured takes. I don't agree with you both on Jorginho, though. He's one of my favourites. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've had, a, I've had an absolutely brilliant time. Um, follow me at Tovers98 on Twitter. Obviously, the Chelsea Social, if you haven't heard of that, I don't know which world you've lived on. Get following Chelsea Social. Contribute for us if you can. We're always a DM away if you do. Um, and just thank you very much for having me on, Taron. Thank you very, cool. very much. We've really enjoyed having you on, Tom. Hopefully you can come back on in the future sometime. Like You've been one of our favourite guests. You have really good opinions. And I just like to say, I actually really Anytime, rate Jorginho mate. at the minute. Yeah, I'm not a hater of Jorginho at all. I've just said in the past, I was a little bit of a critic of him. But now I really rate Jorginho and the team. But yeah, Arvin, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners? And how have you enjoyed the pod? Yeah, I've enjoyed talking about, obviously, we do talk about Chelsea a lot, but you know, I don't mind, obviously, with the German quality to call Werner Havertz. Yeah, I'm a yeah. big advocate for these guys. And uh, yeah, obviously, great win for Chelsea yesterday. I reckon they will make top four now, as per our prediction in the first episode that we made to Chelsea making top mm-hmm. four. Yeah, it looks like it's coming true. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. And yeah, huge pleasure talking on the podcast. Tom, love having you on today. Chelsea fan, yeah, great opinions. And uh, yeah, see you guys soon and hopefully you've enjoyed our podcast <laughs> yeah for sure man um yeah since we started this podcast we've been unbeaten in the premier league and every single competition so long what? may it continue guys so yeah poor juju that's it so yeah i'm gonna wrap this pod up guys keep things moving i'm sure we all have stuff to do today i'm jumping on a pod with miz uh, not a pod a live stream with miz soon so yeah, i'm gonna wrap this up Make sure to keep things perfect, guys. You know how it is. Check out all these guys' information, all great guys, in the description. And have a great day.